Hello everyone and welcome to Exploring Middle Earth. Uh, my name is Jay. To my right is Grant. Yep, I'm Grant. But that doesn't really matter where he is compared to me because you guys are just listening. Yes. Uh, today I think is episode 59. 60. 60. Oh, we're on 60. Yeah, I think 59 was the last one, right? Oh yeah. Welcome to episode 60. So. <laughs> you know what? I can look right now while I'm talking. Yeah. Welcome to episode 60 or 59. Just give me one second. Yep, it's episode 60. Um... <laughs> Where we cover chapters eleven and twelve of our Lord of the Rings deep dive. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm gonna give a overview of chapter eleven. Grant's gonna give an overview of chapter twelve, and then we're gonna dive into the deep dives. Yes, let's go. So let's go. So chapter twelve or chapter eleven, <laughs> a knife in the dark. I'm just skipping. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <clears throat> a knife in the dark. Um. Uh, we cut back to uh, Frodo's house. Um, we get a little sneak peek. Right, oh, it's yeah. not really sneak peek, like a just a preview of what's happening back at Frodo's house. Yeah. Um, his new house, not Crick, back end. Crick Hollow. Yes. Yes. So back at Crick Hollow, Fatty Bulger sees dark shapes approach the front gate, um, and he goes to the back door just before the three riders break into the house and find it empty, and he sounds the alarm and the riders, uh, flee. So back at the inn, um, the the uh, inn in Bree. Uh, the Strider takes the hobbits or wakes the hobbits up early, going to the bedroom. Uh, they see that their beds were thrown apart and slashed during the night. Dang. Um, furthermore, all their ponies were let loose overnight as well, and the hobbits were forced to buy half-starved, buy a half-starved pony at high price from a suspicious Bill Fernie, who Grant talked about last episode. If you want to know more about him, the wicked Bill mm-hmm. Fernie. And they, uh, Sam names the, um, the pony Bill. Yeah, interesting just, choice. Just a little weird, but. Yeah. You know, that's just how he is. Um, so uh, uh, so they get the pony, and then they're getting ready to leave. Um, and the whole town is suspicious, so the whole town is watching them. Um, and they don't really have any privacy, so everybody knows they're leaving. Yeah. So um, a short way down the road, Strider leads the hobbits into a forest uh, to avoid pursuit. Um, because, like I said, everybody knew they were leaving. And it was supposed to be more of like a low-key uh journey um but the path takes him to uh the midgewater marshes uh which means the three days of bug bites and uh soggy gross feet i do not like bug bites <laughs> yeah not a fan um but they're safe until they come out of the marches marshes marches they march out of the marshes yes. and they see a large hill at weather top ahead at the distance um strider says the great watchtower once stood on weather top Built by the men of Westerness, uh, but now it's only ruins, so it looks a little dilapidated. It doesn't look very homely. Yeah. Um, so after another day, the band arrives at Weathertop. So it takes them a little bit, but they get there. Um, and they find signs of camp as well as a rock with an elven rune symbol carved into mm. it. Um, both, side, both signs lead them to suspect that Gandalf has passed through recently. So they f- uh, that gives them a little comfort because they're like... We know Gandalf is out here doing stuff. He isn't just dead because I haven't heard from him in a long time. Yeah. Um, but Strider thinks Gandalf may have, may have been attacked while he was there. Um, so then the group re- the group rests um, in a hollow on the side of the hill and they light a fire, which is not a good idea. No. Um, Frodo thinks uh, he senses five black specks moving in the road far below, which are the Black Riders. So Strider decides that they should stay where they are. Um, um, as trying to move would only make them more vulnerable. 
Um, to keep up the spirits, Strider tells them of old legends and songs of Luthien Tenuvio. Great guy. Great gal. Where's the <laughs> Wait. Great yeah. gal. We love Luthien and Baron, dude. Yeah. We have a whole episode on that if you are interested in Baron and Luthien. Luthien and Baron. Uh, we're going to play them. Yeah. We're going to act. We haven't decided who's who yet, but we're going to do it. Yeah. But yeah, so this is just a little... A poem slash song that Strider sings, but it's a whole story um, in the Silmarillion. So definitely check that out if you haven't checked it out. Um, and so Luthien Tenuvia was uh, one of the most beautiful elven princes, uh, princesses. <laughs> she wasn't a prince uh, who fell in love with a dude, a man, <laughs> just a dude, uh, and chose mortality or moral mortality. Yes, not morality. morality. Well, well, maybe yeah. it was a good moral decision. Yeah morally mortality so that she could join him in death well she didn't well she she chose it so she could like be with him and then they would die she didn't choose it to die but yeah you know what i'm not gonna go too deep into it because we've already done a whole episode on it and there's a lot mm-hmm. to unpack so uh suddenly sam who had wandered away runs back from the edge of the dell and says he feels a uh, strange dread um and the group gathers around the fire facing outwards and watches as several dark shapes come over the lip of the hills. They were just warming, warming their bums as uh, these dark shapes came over. And Mary and Pippin throw themselves to the ground in panic. Uh, and Sam shrinks to Frodo's side. And Frodo suddenly feels a terrible desire to put the ring on. Uh, and he does so. Not a good idea. Yay! No! There you go. Where is it, dude? Wow. There it is. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, I've I've <laughs> rarely hit the uh, soundboard, so it always maybe I'll just edit that so it's not all those random ones. But so black shapes suddenly appear uh, or become clear to Frodo, um, and he can see through the Black Rider's cloaks because he has the ring on. So nobody else can see like this, and he sees they have deathly white faces and terrible eyes. Um, that means their eyes are scary. That doesn't mean they. I mean, maybe they can't see very well. Maybe they do have terrible eyes. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Um, but they are robed in gray and carry swords. No. The tallest wears a crown, and it springs towards Frodo with a knife and a sword. Uh, Frodo cries out the elven names Elbereth and Gilthon- Gilthaniel and stabs at the feet of the Black Rider's kings. Uh, Black Rider's king. Frodo feels an icy pain in his shoulder, and then suddenly sees Strider leap forward with a burning log in each hand. Um, Frodo takes the ring off just as he falls unconscious. So, yeah, it's a very action-packed. It's probably the most action-packed chapter so far. Yeah, right at the end there. But yeah, so uh, Grant, why don't you give us a, a summary yeah. of chapter twelve? Yeah, so chapter twelve is flight to the Ford. Um, there's a little more action in this one as well. Uh, at the end of it, obviously now. <clears throat> the Black Riders have appeared and actually confronted the Hobbits and Strider and attacked Frodo, uh, stabbed him with, mm. a little, with a little Morgul blade. Not good. <clears throat> oh, my voice got a little weird. Hey, you're okay. Hey, I got okay. it. Cleared it. Um, sounded cool. But, yeah, so uh, now their main concern is let's get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's leave here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that sounds about right. Uh, after being wounded by the Morgul blade of the Nazgul, a deeper sense of urgency is upon Strider and the Hobbits. Uh, now they need to get to Rivendell as fast as they can so that Elrond, um, who is the master of Rivendell, can hopefully heal him from the evil blade wound. Um, so Strider is able to kind of drive the Black Riders away with the, the burning logs that he has, basically, because they don't yeah. like fire. 
um, as we'll find out more and more. But so he's able to drive them away for the time being, and he takes Frodo and thought he was dead at first, but luckily it was just a, a wound on the shoulder. But he can see that definitely wounded him more than just like uh, physically. So now they really need to get to Elrond who can heal those types of things. So Strider is able to find a an herb called Athelas, um, which is something that kind of helps like refresh the body and the mind. Um, and he kind of crushes it up and boils it and, and, uh, lets Frodo kind of like, like breathe it in. And, um, and then he puts it, puts it on his like wound or whatever. And I guess it like helps the pain go away at least, but he still feels like icy cold. Yeah. So just as ba- it's like a bandaid to cover up. A big yeah. Basically wound. just like a, just like an ibuprofen and a bandaid yeah. for him. So, um, but yeah, we'll talk about the Athelus, uh, later. Uh, attempting to move quickly, though, and uh, yet avoid the far-seeing Nazgul, the party reaches the last bridge over the River Horwell. So now they've traveled for quite a few days more, um, narrowly escaping the Black Riders, it seems, at every step. They feel like they're being followed, which they probably are. So um, mm-hmm. Strider kind of goes off-roading a little bit and uh, sticks to the woods. So yeah. they're not able to be spotted from the road. But they make it to the last bridge. And Strider fears that the bridge is being watched and set up for a trap because that would be a very likely place to do that. But that's the only place to cross the river for miles and miles. And so Strider goes on ahead and he finds on the bridge on the ground a barrel, uh, B-E-R-Y-L. Um, I don't know what other barrel you would know, but... Oh, barrel. Yeah. I B-A-R-R-E-L. <laughs> yeah, like a barrel of s- yeah. stuff. <laughs> a barrel. It's with a, it's a, with a, with a Y. It's mm-hmm. a it's a gemstone, like a little green gemstone. Mm-hmm. And it's also known as an elf stone. Elves, for some reason, mm-hmm. love barrels. Um, and so he finds it on the bridge, and he takes it as a token that the bridge is safe to cross, that an elf was there. Um, so then climbing through the wooded hills, crossing the river, and then climbing through the wooded hills of the Trollshaws, the hobbits see haunting ruins of towers and castles and old farms. Remembering Bilbo's stories of trolls, the hobbits wonder if it if it was the trolls who had once built these towers. But Aragorn slash Strider relays to them the history of the lands in brief telling, saying that the trolls are dumb, but as of late some have been cunning enough and filled with malice. They come across a shallow dell and see three trolls at the bottom huddled close to each other. Pippin and Merry report to the, this to Strider, but Frodo smiles and Strider jokingly grabs a stick to confront the trolls. In this way, the hobbits realized they were in the same exact spot that Bilbo and the dwarves were when they encountered their trolls and where they turned to stone. Nice. Um, Swing! Because Strider kind of makes fun of them and he goes, did you not see the bird's nest growing on, or not growing, <laughs> did you not see the bird's nest on top of one of the heads? Oh, yeah. You guys are kind of dumb. It's cool, dude. That'd be cool. Yeah, so uh, they find out that they're in the same spot that Bilbo was all those years ago, and they also find the spot where the dwarves buried the troll's treasure. It was marked with a little dwarven rune. Um, but obviously there's no treasure there anymore because Bilbo brought it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on that day, um, the party hears hooves coming towards them from the road, and they hide. Oh, that was good. Uh, then Strider realizes realizes it's an elven horse and a rider and greets an old friend named Glorfindel. Mm. who has been sent out from Rivendell to look for Frodo. He is urgent and advises Frodo rides upon his horse Asphaloth to make it quickly to Rivendell, now not far away. Uh, And after some time of uh, continuing on their journey, they hear more hooves all around them and realize it is now a race to the ford of the Loudwater River, 
Black Riders appear to hem them in and target Frodo upon Asphaloth, who outruns the Black Riders because he's an elven horse and fast. Yeah, he's a quick guy. Um, so Frodo narrowly reaches the fords, and the Riders are not far behind. Frodo raises his sword of westerness, and he commands the Nazgul to return to Mordor, but they laugh at him. <laughs> uh, but then a wild flood, and remember, uh, the Nazgul do not like fire, and we find out here they don't like water either. Mm. Then a wild flood races down the river in the shape of white horses and white riders, and they drown the horses, and it causes the Nazgul to lose their physical form for the time being. Dang, dude. Um, and their horses probably just die. Yeah, their horses just drown, uh, get hit dang. up against the rocks and stuff. And so they were trapped in between a flooding water, and Glorfindel and Strider realized the importance of getting Frodo safely across, even if they didn't get across. And... They built a fire up real quick um, while all the, while Frodo raced ahead, and then they caught up with burning logs again, and then they kind of trapped the horses and the riders between the river and fire. Um, so it kind of like caused a mayhem a little bit, and then the horses turned into the water because mm. the horses are fine with water. Yeah. But the horses turned to the water, and then they got swept away by that giant flood. So a little bit of strategic play going on there um a thousand iq play yeah uh but yeah so then frodo collapses as he sees a bright figure forcing the other black riders into the river and then he faints mm. so yeah, that's the end of uh, chapter 12 flight mm. to the ford uh, and next time on the next episode which will be 61 61. Um, <laughs> we'll do uh we'll do 13 and 14 which i believe is many meetings in the council of elrond or something like that it's gotta so, be. Uh, those will definitely be a lot more peaceful. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of chit chatting, but they talk about a lot of stuff. Oh yeah. So we'll have plenty of plenty to cover in those two chapters. So. You're gonna you're gonna read two chapters about talking, and then you're gonna hear about two chapters about talking. And we're yeah. gonna we're gonna talk about the talking. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. But now, right now, we're gonna be talking but about yeah. the other stuff that's happening. This action packed episode. Yeah. Let's uh, let's let's getting to our deep dive here uh jay what do you got for us yeah so the first topic i'm going to talk about is weathertop so if you remember weathertop is the uh uh place that the hobbits and strider took refuge um that night that they got attacked by the black riders um so there's a history because it wasn't always ruins there had to be something there before it became ruins um so weathertop known in sindarin as amon sul sul Amon Ra St. Brown. Oh, yeah. That's Which, a- hey, Amon Ra, if you're listening, <laughs> great game against the Buccaneers. Yeah. What a game. Thank mm-hmm. Good job. Thank you. Please give us tickets. Please give, but it, like, we're please sure. give us tickets and maybe money. Yeah. Well, the no, t- you don't have to give us money. Tickets will be cool. Yeah. I'm sorry I asked. And we promise we won't resell them for money. <laughs> yeah. We will use them. No, I'd actually rather go to a Lions game. Than have money. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, I would love to have money, but <laughs> I think if it was just a one-time thing and I got really good seats at a Lions game, mm-hmm. I'd be like, yeah, I'm taking it. Okay. Good. Hey, guys, Christmas is coming up. Get us some good gifts. Yeah. And <laughs> we'll get you good gifts. If you guys send us a More good podcast. Gift, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gift everybody wants. The yep. gift that keeps giving because you can just replay it over and over and over again. That's true. Yeah, so uh, known as Amonsul, Weathertop was. Yes, sorry. In Sindarin. Um, and is the southernmost top at the Weather Hills. Uh, Weathertop. Get it? Yeah. So it's a little <laughs> a little away from the others. Um, 
but its top was flattened. And I'll tell you why. But first, okay. let's rewind the tape. <laughs> Welcome to the early history. The first. No, this is the first stage. This is, this is early history. So the Weather Hills lay at the center of Ardnor, uh, near the East Road that split Eridor. Uh, the tower had stood in a hill since the days of Elendil and had stored the Palantir, Palantiri uh, in its chambers. And it is said that the War of the Last Alliance, Elendil stood at the hill watching the hosts of Gilgalad coming to join his forces. So, this is a big place, dude. Like, big, like, in historical. I mean, it is a big place. These are big hills, but they're not, they're no mountains, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, uh, so, um, after the kingdom was split into three, um, King Arendur, uh, he'd passed and all the kingdom was split into three. All his sons, yeah. uh, coveted the hill or rather the stone inside. Yes. Um, because, uh, there was, so I'm just going to quick overview of the, I pal- mean the hill itself had like, like a good view of the surrounding land. So it was like yeah. used as a watchtower. Prime real estate. Prime real estate. But it had a Palantir in it, um, which is like this, this, the ball stone type thing that you can use uh, and there's multiple ones of them and they you can communicate through them and but they're just very rare and valuable um stones but they're bigger they're not little stones but um uh it um so the the palantir was in there and it lay at the exact tri-state point but eventually passed to the arthodyne in the realm of amleth 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 you know what? Third time's a charm, dude. Yes. So the eldest son of Arandur, uh, or Arandur, although it was already pos- uh, possessed the other two stones. So um, there's three at the time. And um, now that guy, Am- or uh, the eldest son, had all three Palantiri. Um, so then, obviously, if it's runes, there had to be destruction. So the fall of Amansul... Um, uh, um, in the days of Argaleb, the royal lines of Cardalon and Rudar had failed. Um, Argaleb therefore claimed both realms as his own, hoping to reunite Arnor, uh, but the claim was resisted by Rodur, or Rudar, not Rodur. Yeah. Uh, where the Dunedain had dwindled and the land was now largely ruled by the hillmen who were driven by the, wi- driven by the witch king of Angmar. Um, so then tensions increased and borders were fortified, um, and a great, um, basin arose on Weathertop and the East Road and the Lower Horwell were fortified also. Um, and for a long time, half a century, the line held, although Argleb lost his life in the battle, in a battle with the Hillmen. Um, the Witch King did not trouble the men, um, and, and had sent his troops further east to the second siege of Imladris. But in Third Age 1409, he came with such force from Angmar that no army could stop him, and he raised Amansul and brought it brought its mighty walls down. R-A-Z-E-D, not R-A-I-S-D-D. He didn't pick it up. That'd be crazy if he yeah. did, though. <laughs> yeah. He deserves it if he can do that. If yeah. You can pick up, if you can pick up anything, you deserve it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That goes for anything. Really? Anything? Yeah, yeah so Arvaleg son of Arkleb, uh was slain. He died. Uh, and he was the last prince of Cardalon. Um, but the lord of the Nazgul had failed to res- retrieve the Palantir, um, and it was secured and brought back to Fornos Aaron. 
Um, so now it was just ruins. And without the Palantir there, it is a good like watch point, like Grant said. But it's like ruins now, and the Palantir isn't there. So it's pretty much just like, yeah. what the heck are we going to do what, with this? What the heck? What are we going to do with this? So it's just pretty much an abandoned tower now. Um, so uh, for centuries, the once great fortress stood in ruins. Um, and locals paid little heed to it. It was just an eyesore, I bet. It's just an eyesore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it faded back into obscurity, uh, but um, uh, uh, in the Third Age 300, or 3018, the hill reappears um, in the stories. It didn't disappear and then reappear. It um, just becomes more relevant because that's when these chapters take place. Yeah. Um, and the party goes up there, and they have a... Well, they thought it was going to be a party, but it wasn't. It was an attack, an ambush. But yeah, so it's just this... Um, we have an episode... Let me see if I can figure out which one it is. We have an episode that does a deep dive on... Um, All those... Yeah, those... Uh, kingdoms. Yeah, what is it? I think it was pretty recent. We've had... Actually, I think we've done two on it pretty recently. Um, Arnor. Yep. The good, the bad, and the ugly, and the good again. Episode 51, go check that one out if you yeah, want. Yeah. That that so I just gave like a brief history of Weathertop specifically, but if you want to know more about like exactly who um Argleb and Rudar are in Rudar are Rudar are and Cardalon and all those people and what happened there, go listen to episode 51 because we do even deeper on the whole thing, but right now yeah. you need to know that they just went through Weathertop and it's just some ruins of this old tower that um, played a big part in lots of battles and kingdoms. Yeah. And I th- I feel like I always say this whenever stuff like this comes up, but I think that's the coolest part of Tolkien's writings is that it'll be things like, oh, they stayed the night here. Or even with the Baron and Lu- or the Luthien song. Yeah. It's like they just quick sing the Luthien song and then they have... But there's like a whole story behind it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah like with Weathertop, like it's like some of the rangers of the Dunedain stay there. Like they make their camps there every yeah. once in a while. And they kind of stock it up with like dried wood and, and stuff like that. But then it's like, it's crazy to think that the rangers' ancestors once fought over it in like great wars and stuff like that. And there's like so much history behind all of the places that Tolkien kind of takes you when he's writing. Yeah. And it's just stuff that like, like I'm happy that Christopher Tolkien started publishing all of his unfinished works because then we see those kinds of things and we can yeah. like just pick up a different book and read about it. So it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, Tolkien's a good author, man. I hope you agree with me on this. I, I think hope he's you guys realize that by now. <laughs> Tolkien <laughs> is a good author. Yeah, one of the one of the greats. I gotta say, one of the greats. Tolkien is one of the authors <laughs> of all time. Yeah, yeah. He is one of the authors of the 20th century. Yeah. Grant. Yep. Okay. My Why turn. don't you take all done. the next? All stuff. done for you. All done. All done. Okay. Uh. Yeah. I'm gonna talk about the. Uh. Well. I guess this has sort of to do what happened on Weathertop as well. The Morgul Blade and the Athelas. Mm. So it's kind of a cause and effect here. The Morgul Blade's wound, and then the Athelas that heals it a little <sighs> bit. Um. So the Morgul Blades were daggers. Uh. And first of all, Morgul is an Elvish word that means black sorcery. Mm. Uh, almost like necromancy. Minas Morgul. Yeah, Minas Morgul, that tower, mm-hmm. which stands opposite of Minas Tirith, means the Tower of Black Sorcery. Mm. So, Or Tower of Sorcery, actually. 
Nice, um, dude. But yeah, so that's just kind of give you an idea of what that means. So the Morgul blades were daggers specifically used by the Nazgul. Uh, and like the Witch Kings, uh, they have like swords too. Like that's mm-hmm. what you mentioned. But then they also carry these little dagger. And it was the Witch King's Morgul blade dagger. Just for versatility. You yeah, know? just for versatility. You never know what's going to come up. Close combat, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Well, I guess swords would be close combat too. But it's s- even closer. Knives are closer yeah. combat. <laughs> Uh, but it was the Witch King's Morgul Blade, specifically, that he stabbed Frodo with on Weathertop. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> they had uh, dark magical powers, which is why they're called Morgul Blades, that would inhabit the wounds it inflicted, slowly turning the victim into a wraith of lesser power that would be under the dominion of the Ringwraiths. Wow, dude! So, yeah, so not only, not only could it kill you, or at least very, like, injure you a lot, but if, if you allowed the wound to fester and... You weren't. You didn't have anyone that was capable of like really healing it, and like getting it almost like a curse out of it. Then you would start to turn into a wraith year oh, wow. after year. So it's worse than death. Yeah, pretty much. Um, That's like. Um, sorry, this isn't a Harry Potter uh, podcast, and I cannot remember the name of the girl from Harry Potter. What's her name? Hermione. Hermione. When she's like, we could be killed or worse, oh, expelled. Yeah. <laughs> Or worse, expelled. <laughs> yeah. Um, or worse, turned into a wraith. That would be bad, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so Frodo is stabbed by that Morgul blade, and, a, and an actual like little piece of it, like a little shard of the blade was broken, like a little piece of the tip, and it broke off in his shoulder and remained there, so that was also why it hurt really bad. Ouch. Um, so, yeah, besides the black magic of the blade itself, the shard inflicted deep pain and a cold, icy feeling. Mm. Um, Strider was, of course, a very experienced ranger and a Dunedain, and he had much knowledge of the lands as well as lore, um, specifically healing lore. Uh, he went out after Frodo was stabbed by the Morgul Blade, and he forged for a little plant called Athelis that was also called King's Foil um, in the common tongue, and the High Elves in Quenya called it Asea Aranian. Mm. The Aranian part means king. And then a Seiya, I'm guessing, means foil. I don't really know. Makes sense. But uh, yeah, you'll you, see you'll see that little prefix Aran or A R A N in a lot of names, specifically Aragorn. A R A. Aragorn. It has a noble meaning to it, mm-hmm. noble context to it. So yeah, Athelus was a herb. A herb. Herb. I always <laughs> do that. <laughs> yeah. What the heck? It's okay. Uh, yeah. So Athelus was an herb that had been growing in Beleriand during the first age. And presumably before that too, like since the beginning of time, mm-hmm. as uh, as we know that Huan in one of the um, transcripts of Baron and Luthien, Huan had found the herb in um, Beleriand to heal Baron from his wounds. And during the Second Age, the Adine brought the herb to the Isle of Elena, also known as Numenor later, and it grew there for a while. Um, and when the Numenorians returned to Middle-earth, the exiled under Elendil brought it back over, and it grew in uh, both the North and South Kingdoms, Arnor and Gondor. Um, in the new, in the Nuth, in the <laughs> North it grew... I don't know why I keep messing up, but Nuth. it's okay. It's okay. Hey, that's, it just sounded like you had an accent. In the Nuth. In the Nuth. In the grew. North. <laughs> yeah, in the North it grew sparsely, uh, though the rangers knew how to find it pretty well, as we know Strider did. The good guys. Yep. And only the elves and rangers, uh, who are the remaining Dunedain, who had previously brought it over, um, knew of its medicinal properties. 
though other races like lesser men, dwarves, hobbits probably only knew of its fragrant scent when crushed, but they didn't know it was had healing properties. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like we talked about pipeweed, I think, in like the past one or two episodes, where mm-hmm. it's like it had a sweet smell to it, but nobody knew to like that you could like dry it and smoke it mm-hmm. and use it for pipeweed. But they figured it. They out. figured it out. So it's just kind of a matter of uh, trial and error, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, or an accident. I don't yeah. know. Uh, but yeah, in the south, in Gondor, most knowledge of the herb as a medicine was forgotten as the royal, li- the royal line of Gondor waned and failed altogether. Many herb masters kept King's Foil for its refreshing scent, which eased the mind when breathed in, but they did not know what it could do. It was especially healing in the hands of the true kings, possibly due to their noble elven lineage. Um, and we hear of King's Foil again in the Houses of Healing after the Battle of Pelennor Fields later on, in the return of the king, when Aragorn asked for it to heal Faramir, Eowyn, and Merry. Um, oh, also that's another thing for new listeners. Eowyn, the oh, yeah, uh, the, the lady of Rohan, Eomer's brother. In Old English, that the name is actually pronounced Eowyn, and the Eowyn. Ro- Rohan is modeled after Old English, the language at least. So, it's Eowyn. 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 Yeah. Eowyn. Sweet, thank you. Uh, because they, Faramir, Awan, and Mary had all fallen victim to the black breath of the Witch King. So that was, they, uh, Aragorn asked for a Thalus because that helped against certain magical injuries and stuff like that. So, um, But yeah, what are the medicinal properties of a Thalus? We know that its fragrance is refreshing and it clears the mind of someone who breathes it in. But it is, also, it is also extremely effective against dark magic and sorcery-inflicted wounds, like I just said, and maladies. Mm-hmm. That's a fun word. Uh, like Frodo's maladies Morgul, nuts. Uh, uh, like Frodo's Morgul <laughs> blade wound and Faramir's black breath-ridden body, reversing the sorcery. And I guess, yeah, that makes sense. Reversing mm-hmm. the sorcery. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Morgul blade, bad, evil, places a curse on someone, basically. Not necessarily, but and then a Thalus, it helps reverse that. But then it was Elrond. Um, well, I mean, eh, I'll leave this for the next eh, episode because yeah. this happens in the next chapter, so we'll we'll worry about it later. Uh, but yeah, so that's all there is on uh, Morgul Blade and a Thalus that we know of. Um, and I want to talk about another sort of small thing. I have a lot written about it, but I think we could take like a little, just a little ad break. Yeah, here. let's take a little ad break. We'll see you guys after the ad. Hey everyone, have you been wondering where you can see the behind the scenes of this podcast or correct us when we inevitably get something wrong on the podcast? Well, I'm here to let you know. You can find us on Instagram at exploringmiddle underscore earth or on Twitter at expmiddleearth. If you don't want to look those up, links to both of those will be in the show notes. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Exploring Middle Earth. Uh, I'm just going to hand it right back to Grant. Yeah, Here you go, uh, Grant. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about this. seems like a very simple um, topic, I guess, but there's a lot that kind of goes into it, and I really did a lot of research into this one because, um, I don't know, I just thought it was very interesting. <laughs> but just yeah. quirky guy yeah, who likes quirky, kind of stuff. But I'm going to talk about the elf stones, the barrels mm-hmm. that I was talking about. Not the B-A-R-R-E-L-S, mm-hmm. B-E-R-Y-L-S, barrels. It's mm-hmm. a type of gemstone. 
Um, but Tolkien Gateway, which is the the wiki page that we usually use for our notes and research, didn't have a whole lot on elf stones. So mm-hmm. I had to kind of search around and also Google stuff and look in the books and whatnot. Um, yes, yeah, so I had to find uh, little tidbits here and there, uh, most of which were unsatisfying. However, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> sorry, I did remember in the appendices and the unfinished tales, there are a few mentions of Aragorn's jewel, which were likely pretty similar to the barrels mentioned in Flight to the Ford, um, though cut and polished into jewelry. I'm also going to talk about some other jewels and gems within Middle-earth and their importance. So let's begin with the basics. Let's talk about the family jewels, dude. Yeah, hey. Swing! Uh, <laughs> in the early days of the elves, the Noldor had an especial affinity for gemstones and mined them and pined for them. Mined and pined. Mm-hmm. Um, hoping to make beautiful jewelry for all to behold and to share in. Feanor was the most renowned of these Noldor, mm, as you might know. Mm-hmm. Uh, dwarves also coveted gems, and being great gemsmiths uh, themselves, they created the likes of the Nauglamir, which is the necklace of the dwarves gifted to Finrod Felagund, and then uh, given to Thingol by Hurin, who fitted a Silmaril within it. So extra special now. Mm-hmm. Uh, their hordes contained mounds and mounds of not only silver and gold, but gems such as diamonds, rubies, emeralds, carbuncles, and the likes. <laughs> All those sound very nice, except for carbuncles. Carbuncles. Carbuncle. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds uh, like a Dr. Seuss thing. A little bit. Uh, there were, of course, the Silmarils, which were made by Feanor and held the last known light of the two trees of Valinor. Therefore, they were highly sought after and prized, and Morgoth desired them and stole them. And because of that, he had the Noldor as his enemies forever, wow. especially the House of Fanor, um, who wanted revenge. And all of Elvendom was doomed because of those faded jewels of light. Only one remained to be seen even in later ages, the one that Baron and Luthien took from the crown of Morgoth. Speaking of Baron and Luthien, mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier. And it became the star of Eärendil, their son, high in the sky. Well, actually... Yeah, no, that's their grandson, Arendil. Oh yeah, uh, the star of Arendil, high in the sky. All elves love that star for its brightness and purity, and because the evils of Middle Earth cowered from it. So that's one important gemstone that you can find as a star. Uh, the Noldor were still enamored by jewels even in later ages, as Celebrimbor, grandson of Feanor, formed the Gwythi Myrdain, the people of the jewel smiths, dedicated to being the most famed of all the smiths in Middle Earth. Their works were great indeed, especially under the advisory of Anatar, who we later find out is actually Sauron in disguise. And they created the rings of power, each fitted with its own gemstone. And only the one ring is the is the only one without mm-hmm. anything on it. No, well, I mean, there's inscriptions on it when yeah. you put it in fire, but it's just a plain gold ring. No, no gemstone. No, no, none of that fancy stuff. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, so none of the other rings other than the uh, the three elven rings were known what gem they held. Narya, which is the ring uh, held later by Gandalf, contained a ruby. Uh, Nenya was the ring held by Galadriel, and that contained an adamant, which is a stone pretty much like diamond. Uh, it's very strong and pretty much, I guess, a white gem is what you would say. Mm-hmm. And Vilya is the ring held by Elrond, and that had a sapphire in it. Oh, nice. Pretty cool gemstones there. So I don't really know what those gemstones be other than what they be, what they like do other than like we know that the Silmarils obviously could house the light of the two trees. So it seems like 
the Noldor were able to like instill some sort of magical property into a ring. Yeah. Or at least maybe or like into a a gemstone. So maybe that was something that Sauron had taught them or something they had known from Feanor. But um it seems like gems have some sort of magical properties that they can have. Um <clears throat> yeah, so there are other plenty of uh, other plenty. There are plenty of other mentions of gemstones and jewelry in Middle Earth, but I will now move on to the kind of gemstone we see at the last bridge. Aragorn had picked up a barrel, a green stone that he recognized as an elf stone, a token that the bridge was safe to pass. Green stones were especially sacred to Aragorn, though. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few inconsistencies with this story, as Tolkien himself was back and forth on the topic, but I will kind of. Uh, scrunch the stories together uh, to kind of hopefully form a more complete timeline. Um, hopefully it makes sense. Um, so both, of, I mean, all of what you you will hear is canon, like it's what Tolkien wrote down, but I kind of formed it into more of a... Um, Just give us a, giving us a summary. A timeline. Easier yeah. to understand. Easier to understand. Uh, but yeah, so in the, in the first age, in the city of Gondolin, there lived the jewelsmiths Enerthiel and Celebrimbor. So we mm. see Celebrimbor again. <laughs> Celebrimbor. The grandson of Feanor. Uh, most sources say that Enerthiel was the one who had crafted the Elisar, the elf stone of Gondolin, that was made of silver shaped like an eagle with outspread wings and held a green gem in the center that was said to capture the light of the sun through fresh spring leaves. That's one of my favorite colors is seeing the sun through green leaves. Mm. Others say Celebrimbor made it, but I will get into it later. Like I said, I kind of had to put a few, put a few uh, stories together. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were many elves who loved the sight of it, and others said that whoever wore it upon their breast could heal those who had been harmed. The Elisar was given to Idril Celebrindel, the daughter of King Turgon of Gondolin, who wore it while the city lasted. After the fall of Gondolin, Idril gave the stone to her son Eärendil, and he used it to heal the hurts of those who were gathered at the havens of Sirion following the wars of Morgoth. He also brought it with him on his journeys uh, out to the sea and to Valinor. Here is where the story shakes up a bit, and it's kind of lost in translation. Mm. One source says that Eärendil brought the Elisar with him to Valinor, and that when the Istari came to Middle-earth in the Third Age, Aloran, who we know as Gandalf, uh, brought the Elisar with him as a Tolkien that the... Va- a Tolkien... <laughs> Yep. I just said that without even realizing it. It's a Tolkien, not a, or it's a token, token. not a Tolkien. Uh, he's just on your mind, it's man. Crazy, man. He's in your head. Yeah, but uh, he brought over the Elisar with him as a token that the Valar had not forsaken the elves and that they were thinking of him, <laughs> thinking of you. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so, I like that. Uh, Aloran prophetically gave the Elisar to Galadriel, but told her that she would only wear it for a little before, uh, while, a little while before giving it to another who would also be known as Elisar. So, and Galadriel used that stone because that stone was said to have healing properties to, to heal the hurts of the Third Age and after the wars against Sauron. Mm-hmm. Another source says that Celebrimbor, who was in love with Galadriel despite her being married to Celeborn, uh, mm-hmm. and Celeborn despised the Noldor of the House of Feanor, rec- recreated the Elisar to give to Galadriel. The original stayed in Valinor, the original stone, I should say, stayed in Valinor when Eärendil sailed there. Since he was the friend of Anerthiel who made the first stone, he had some knowledge of how to replicate it, though it was said that this one was more subtle and clear and had less healing properties. 
It was also said that Galadriel requested a second LSR to be made as she was sad at the decaying of all things fair in Middle-earth. Mm. Whatever story you believe, the stone ends up with Galadriel, who ends up, who eventually gives it to her daughter, Celebrion, who also gives it to her daughter, Arwen, who then gives it to Elisar as a betrothal gift. Mm-hmm. And who is Elisar? Elisar uh, is Aragorn. Ah, uh, yes. When Aragorn becomes the king of the reunited realms later on, he takes up the name of Elisar, Elfstone, in Quenya, and his house name becomes Telkantar, Strider, in Quenya. So upon seeing the green stone on the bridge, Aragorn automatically knew that fate would guide them through just as it had his whole life. So, mm-hmm. green stone, man. Green stone. I like the color green. Uh, but yeah, so that's not all, though. We have a, a little bit more of a deep dive to talk about. We have a new character that's been introduced at the end of the uh, chapter 12, um, Jay, why don't you tell us a little bit about him? Glorfindel. Uh, yes, you're gonna learn about Glorfindel. So, if you don't remember, Glorfindel's the dude who, the dude elf, the elf who comes in, uh, brings Frodo back, or brings Frodo to Rivendell. She um, she glorfs on my Dell, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> till I asphalt. Until I asphalt. Until I asphalt. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're gonna talk about Glorfindel and then asphalt, which is his horsey. Um, but yeah, so Glorfindel was one of the mightiest elves, um, and he was one of, uh, and was once Lord of the House of the Golden Flower in Gondolin. But um, so I'm gonna just go through talk about uh, Glorfindel. So yeah. I'm gonna read a quick, um, just a really quick paragraph about um, him in uh, Fellowship of the Ring. This is from the Many Meetings chapter, which is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, Glorfindel was tall and straight. His hair was shi- of shining gold. His face fair and young and fearless and full of joy. His eyes were bright and clean and his voice like music. On his brow sat wisdom and his hand was strength. Sounds like a good elf. Yeah. Sounds good like, elf. Sounds good like just a good elf. Um, so yeah, he was born a long time ago, just like almost all the elves born a long time ago in the year of the trees. Um, he was born in Tyrion, um, sometime during the noontide of Valinor, which was after the uh, two trees were made. Um, the, um, and he was descended from the House of Princes. Um, and then he followed the House of Fingolfin during the flight of the Noldor, but he did not take a part in the king's slaying. Um, so he did, <coughs> he was exiled, but he wasn't, he didn't kill his own guy, his own people. Um, so in the, in the exile, uh, Glorfindel fought in the battle of Lamloth and, uh, as he followed the house of Fingolfin, um, and was the host of Turgon and the Dagor Argaleb. Um, and then, uh, when, um, just skipping ahead a little, when, uh, Aradel, wished to depart Gondolin to seek the sons of Feanor, um, Turgon appointed Glorfindel as one of the three of her escorts. Yeah. Not those kind of escorts. Don't get hey. Not that kind hey. of escort. Um, yeah. Um, but they were denied entrance into Doriath and instead turned north uh, where the escort uh, lost Ardahel near Nan Dungortheb. Um, and then he later returned back to Gondolin without her. And then um, he was uh, he was there during the fall of Gondolin. So in first stage, 
510 uh, Melkor attacked Gondolin. Um, and uh, Glorfindel and the last of his followers held the great uh, market from the orcs um, uh, in uh, from the ambush of the enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were ambushed themselves and fought until the fire drake arrived, which is like a dragon. We have a whole episode on dragons, too. We do, yes. That's pretty early on. Yeah, that's one of our first. Yeah. Um, Glorfindel and his people cut their way out, but they were pursued by the orcs. And the house of the harp arrived to help after destroying or disobeying their deceitful lord. Um, then the house of the golden flower, which uh, Glorfindel was the lord of, mm-hmm. regrouped at the square of the palace and was one of the last houses to fight. Um, and then Glorfindel joined Tour in defending the square until uh, Eglamoth, uh, Egalmoth arrived, yeah, yeah. and Axilion was slain during his fight with the first. Lords of the Balrogs and the High Captain of Angband Gothmog. Um, when King Turgon was also slain, um, uh, Gon or Glorfin the Gondolin, Gondolindrum, Gondolindrum. Yeah, Gondolindrum. Yeah. The Gondolindrum escaped through Idril's secret way with Glorfindel holding the rear. Not that way, guys. Get your mind out of the gutter again. Hey, hey. Uh, manfully and lost more of his followers there. Um. Uh, and then so then he meets his dis- end, and you're gonna be like, "What the heck? Why is he dead?" But then he's in the story. Well, let me tell you why. <laughs> so, um, as they're making their escape, um, uh, a Balrog came upon the refugees, and Glorfindel leapt forward to face the demon, uh, while his followers watched from afar, and he held his held his own uh, for a little bit, um, and then he successfully hewed the iron helm from the Balrog and at the last moment he pierced the demon's belly uh, and it fell backwards towards the cliff cliff, but the Balrog grabbed Glorfindel by his hair such that he fell with it. Kind of sound familiar? Mm. Uh, Glorfindel's body was later borne up by Thrandor King of the Eagles who flew down into the abyss to rescue Glorfindel's broken body returning it to his people who buried him in the high cliffs in the mountains surrounded by Gondolin. And then it was said that yellow flowers grew on his mound despite its rocky location very nice very pretty um but yeah so how did he how did he show up in um the lord of the rings if he died yeah um so glorfindel's spirit departed to the halls of mandos um where he passed for a short time just hung out yeah and and elves have a different fate than humans Humans, yeah humans just die and their spirit goes beyond the world but then the elves their spirit rests in the hall of mandos and they're still on earth it's not yeah. like they're in a different plane or mm-hmm. whatever, different dimension. They're still on Arda. Yeah. Um, yeah, but um, due to his noble actions uh, that had saved many elves in the fall of Gondolin, he was re-embodied and dwelt in Valinor. Yeah. So it was like, hey, you, you can go back. You're a good guy. You're a pretty good guy. You did yeah, pretty good. Yeah, you're a good guy. Good boy. Um, so then in the Second Age 1600, Manwe sent him back to Middle-earth as an emissary of the Valar and granted him powers... Uh, nearly as strong as that of the Maiar. Dang. So that's how he's one of the strongest elves. And that's why when Frodo um, was uh, kind of collapsing at the end of the flight to the fort, he could see mm-hmm. a bright white figure, and that was basically the the aura of Glorfindel. Um, and the Black Riders have like a very dark and shadowy aura, whereas Glorfindel in the spirit realm has a very bright aura. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to talk about that. 
I don't think I was. But so thanks for talking about that. Hey, man. and you no know, problem. You got my back. One. No problem. So um, it's possible that Glorfindel remained for a time in Linden, along with the other noble elves like Gilglad, Cureden, the shipwright, and Elrond. Um, but however, in the Third Age, he was in Rivendell with Elrond. Yeah. Um, and then one last thing about him: the Battle of Fornost, um, which was um, where the uh, when Glorfindel fought the Witch King of Angmar. Yeah. And his hosts. So, um, Glorfindel didn't defeat. I mean, he beat him, but he didn't kill the Witch King of Angmar. But he defeated him. Yeah. And after he said this, which is a this is a big, uh, this will be a big part of. Uh, what's to come in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Do not pursue him. He will not return to this land. F- uh, far off yet is his doom, and not by the ma- hand of man will he fall. So he uh, prophesies that no mortal man will destroy the Witch King, which is a big deal. And we're not going to tell you why it's a big yes. deal yet, because you'll just have to figure it out later. Um, but if you've read the book, you know what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Am I right, dude? It's yeah. kind of an inside joke right now, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, but so... And then up to then, or up to, or after that, we meet him in uh, chapter 11, or chapter 12, which we, uh, you just heard all about. Yep, came to the rescue. Yes. So then, uh, just a little bit on his horsey. Horsey. Uh, Asaf, how do you say it? Asphaloth. Asphaloth. Um, was a white horse of the uh, elf of Glorfindel, because uh, the elves need good horses. They don't just yeah. get the regular stuff. Of course. Um. So he was um, naturally faster than ordinary horses, even the steeds of the school, because he outran them. Um, and uh, Asphalath means in Sindarin, sunlit foam from Ast, which is sunlit, and Folath, which means foam. It's a pretty um, cool name. Uh, yeah, so it's just an interesting name, sunlit foam. Yeah. But yeah, so... Um, guessing like the foam on rivers or something mm-hmm. but um uh there's it could also be um there's two alternate interpretations for asphalt which is sun surge or surge of sunlight which makes more sense of like yeah that quick does. and yeah. fast yeah that's pretty cool speed too. of light um yeah so that's all i got about those two guys very nice there's a you know, just another little quick character in the story that has a lot of backstory. Yeah, I like uh, Glorfindel. He's definitely one of my favorite characters, especially like in the Third Age. But mm-hmm. I mean, what he did in the First Age, obviously, he's a good guy. He's pretty sick, all around good guy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's our little deep dive. We're gonna move on to some trivia here. Um, mm-hmm. Jay, I, do you did you come with three questions? Yes. Okay. Did you come with three questions? Yes, I did. Yeah. Well, I guess you just were here. I came. Oh. Huh. huh? <laughs> what? you want to go first you want me to go yeah, first yeah I can go first okay do it okay um, what is the type of stone that Strider finds on the last bridge a barrel yep oh wait I meant barrel I said the wrong barrel <laughs> just kidding that's a dumb joke that was I said okay, the wrong barrel it was good, it was good. That was fine. Um, that is interesting though because when you started saying it and then you went, what other barrel would you think of? I was like, oh, wait, I was maybe I'm thinking of it wrong. Yeah, I didn't even think of an actual like barrel. That's how smart you are. That's how smart you are. I don't know, because <laughs> a barrel is very simple. So yeah, it's we'll okay, Grant. You don't see many barrels around here. No, not really. Yeah. So my question, you ready? Yes. Um, so this is back to Weathertop. Oh. Um, uh, so there was the three 
um, kingdoms after King Arendur passed. There was the three kingdoms, yes. and they all wanted um, uh, Weathertop. Yeah. Which one of the three ended up getting the getting Weathertop? Was it Arthedine? Yes. Yeah, I, I think it was just because they're the most powerful. Yeah, or the biggest. At and least they got all three of those stones. Got them, baby. Yes. Uh, where did Athelus originally come from? Like, where was it first originally grown? Is it like Linden? No. Is it has to be Linden was technically a part of this at one point. It would have to be early on in the yes, very very early, very very early in um, pre third age. Yeah, I got the right answer. It's Arda. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let me think. Um, Good job. uh, Valinor. No. I don't know. What you're thinking too otherworldly. Oh. Juan found it. Juan. Um, uh, I don't know, dude. I'm blinking. You give up? <laughs> you uh, give up, man? R, R, B. 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 Belfast. No, that's a real place. That is a, well, <laughs> that is a place. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But you're getting there. You had the first three letters. Ba? No, when you or said Bel- Belfast. Belglomir. Belglor. Bel... Jim. I don't know. First age. Where does the story take Balerians. place? Balerians. Yeah. Dang, I'm dumb, dude. Well, and I said Linden dude, was a part of this. off the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> Linden was a part of that in the first yeah. age. Mm-hmm. Balerian. That's okay, Shoot. Man. Shoot. I thought that would be tricky, though, because I talked about it coming from Numenor, and I mm-hmm. talked about it coming from other places. It's just tricky because I don't yeah. know, dude. <laughs> but yeah, it's I just guess, tricky. I guess that works for anybody. But okay, I got one. Yeah, which kind of the same vein? Where was Glorfindel born? Was it just Gondolin? Or wait, was it Valinor? Kind of, kind of. I'm looking for more specific. Um, shoot. I guess it's not. It's uh. Do you want me to give you the first? I'll give you. Do you want me to give you more broader? Of where it is. It's a city in Amman. Is it Tyrion? Yes. Okay. Tyrion. So it was in Valinor, but it was yeah. in the city of Tyrion. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. Hey, if you would have given me the Arda answer for the last one, I would have given you the that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, okay. According to one source, the smiths Anerthiel and Celebrimbor were from where? We're doing a lot of geography. Shoot. Uh, what were their names? Anerthiel and Celebrimbor. Maybe just focus on Celebrimbor if you need to. Celebrimbor. Is it Valinor? Or do you need more specific? No. Is it Arda? No. Um, uh, Beleriand. No, that wouldn't make sense because that w- you want to A little care. more specific, though. Um, Linden. These answers have been very close, by the way. The que- the answers I've been giving, no, or all the- of all of the answers of all of our trivia games have been super oh. close. Um, because I I think I guessed it for where Glorfindel was coming from. Uh, you said Valinor, then you said, uh, I can't remember anything you said about Valinor, and then you said Tyrion. Then, uh, hmm, I don't know, dude. I'm it's not a city. Good. I'm not good with the cities. Give uh, me the first it's like letter. one of the, it's like the most famous one. Valerian, Valinor, 
Windows on even cities. I don't know, dude. I don't know the difference between a city and a country. <laughs> Gondolin. Gondolin, dude. And you were just talking about them, too. Yeah, I'm so dumb. Where Glorfindel was from. You know what? My mind goes blank sometimes. My mind. My mind, My man. Mind you don't even crazy. understand. You don't even understand. Yeah, but they originally were from Gondolin. Yeah. Okay, you want your final question? Yeah, I guess I want it. You want your final question? Yeah. Um, let me think of a good one because I only came up with two. Because I was like, <laughs> I thought I asked if you cared. Yeah, I thought I'd have a third one by the time what? we got to the last one. Come on. Um, oh, I guess this one's kind of easy, but you know what? <laughs> okay, I'll take you it. You deserve it. What um prophecy did Glorfindel prophesy? Oh, that uh, the Witch King could not be killed by any mortal man. Mortal man. You know what? I'll give you a, a kind of harder one. We've talked about it in previous episodes. Okay. Um, it has to do with that prophecy. Which Shakespeare play did that come from? Oh. Macbeth. Yes. Macbeth. Macbeth. Yes. Yes. He can't be born or killed by a man he cannot, born, born it, of woman. Yeah, born of woman. But the guy was born by C-section. Yeah. So still a woman, but what I don't a, know. What a, what a crazy. <laughs> a dude C-section. What a crazy loophole. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? That's that's why uh, Tolkien put it in. Yeah. You know, if you want to know more about that, go listen to our Tolkien influence. Oh, yeah, we, have, we like, have an episode about that, too. Three episodes on Tolkien's influences. Pretty yeah. interesting stuff. Um, so for Middle Earth Current Events... All right, everybody, welcome to uh, Middle Earth Current Events, current events on this earth pertaining to Middle Earth. Yes. So today we don't have anything at all, Um, not really much to talk about Mm -hmm. in the the realm of Middle Earth or Tolkien or Middle Earth Enterprises. (laughs) It's been a a dry dry month, man. Yeah, Yeah, we didn't really have anything to talk about last time, too, right? Yeah. I think we just, oh, we talked about the new Hobbit uh, Illustrated version or whatever you know what but yeah not much going on i guess mm-hmm. um i guess we'll find uh, hey you'll find out if there's something going on if we talk about it so yeah this is hopefully this is the only place you get your current events from yeah and it will always be two weeks late yes <laughs> so <laughs> two weeks late so sorry about that unless guys. we can predict the future yeah do you okay how about this do you want to accurately predict what the next tolkien news is going to be um let me think, dude. It's I think the next big Tolkien news is gonna either have to do with the video game or the Rings of Power. So yeah. let me make. I don't know if it's gonna be the next, because I feel like the Rings of Power isn't going to be in the news for a little bit. But I feel like that's gonna be the next big thing. It's looking like it's gonna be in uh, instead of. I was thinking for a second it was gonna be like a late spring release for season two of the Rings of Power, but now it's looking more like another September. Mm. release of the season yeah which is a pretty long time to wait but it's something i don't really care about so i'm not waiting for it yeah it's kind of <laughs> i don't i don't know dude it's just gonna happen and i'm gonna be like oh here it is next week news is that the rings of power season two uh release date is announced that would be pretty big next big news rings of power canceled <laughs> wow wow that would be even bigger yeah that lose a lot of money. Uh, I'm predicting that there will be that there's got to be something for the holiday season coming up. I uh, feel like you know what I, that is interesting. That's good. Like I I feel like uh let's let's think they might maybe maybe some sort of like commemorative um 
Well, they did like a commemorative like coin or something like that. Yeah. For Tolkien. Maybe they'll do like an ornament or something. They might do like a special edition of the movies or something. Or for or, the or like a special edition of the letters from Father Christmas. Oh yeah, that's good. They might do that. Mm-hmm. I'm calling it. Maybe they'll do. Uh, remember the past few? Episodes, I don't remember. This was the last week. It was a few weeks ago when we talked about how good of an idea it would be to make the red book. Oh yeah. Maybe they'll take our advice. Do that. Yeah. Maybe they heard us. Because we know they listen. Yeah. Hey guys. <laughs> How's it going? Hey guys, thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's uh, well, that's all we have. Yeah, so, what are you gonna do? Uh, I guess what we'll do in the future for Middle Earth current events is we'll do mi- Middle Earth future events mm-hmm. <laughs> if we don't have anything currently, and we'll just mm-hmm. predict the future. Yeah, um, it's it's not an exact science, but we could also do Middle Earth past events and revisit like current events happened. that were going that we were like oh this is going to happen and then be like uh check this out guys this was not good or this was great yeah we could do something like that mhm we could go back and tell ourselves about the rings of power yeah don't hey, watch guys, it don't watch it it's not great but you know what we have an obligation we do as tolkien influencers we have an obligation <laughs> tolkien influencers <laughs> you know sometimes being a tolkien influencer it's not all about the fame and glory yeah it's not all about, you know, like being, I don't even know. It's not all it's made out to be. Sometimes, it's not, yeah. Sometimes you, you have to sit down and watch a TV show. It's sometimes it's painful, Yeah, you know, to, to kind of suffer through these things. But um, the tears are worth it, am I the, right? The tears are worth it, you yeah. know. And so uh, I stand in solidarity with, mm-hmm. um, with any other Tolkienites who may have suffered through this kind of oppression of sorts. Yes. Um. And it's not something to be taken lightly. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. And this is a very serious, very serious conversation, very serious topic. And and we we here at Exploring Middle Earth um, uh, LLC, mm-hmm. uh, we I'm not laughing. Um, it's, it's a nervous laugh because of how uh, deep and impactful this yeah, is. Yeah, I could mess this up, and yeah. I don't want to. Uh, we, we just we stand for you guys. Yeah, you know, and. We support you guys. All of the guys and gals. Well, yeah, and, and girls too. Mm-hmm. We love our pilfs. Yes. Um, and we just want to see our pilfs succeed. Mm-hmm. We want to see pilfs thrive. And we we want to see pilfs thrive in this society. And and this society, for some reason, has produced some some awful things for us to go through. Yes. It's like our personal hell. I get. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like your personal hell. It's not mine. Yeah. Not for me. I don't know. <laughs> I'll think about it. Report next week. Okay. We'll do a segment on what my personal hell is next week. All right, everybody. Um, thank you so much for listening, and I wish you'd be able to watch us. <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, I wish we could have a YouTube video of this. I guess we could. A YouTube podcast. Yeah. But that is too much work, and we don't feel it necessary if for you guys to If you give us more money, we'll that. do it. We're if you guys give us money. more money, we can do this. Yeah. Um, if... Say it, Grant. Say it. If you guys care. Yeah. You guys would do this for us. A dollar a day. Come on, could guys. Could feed 10 children in Africa, but for us- Could give us a it video could give podcast. Us a YouTube, it could give us a YouTube platform, and we could get rich off that. Come yeah. on. So- We know uh, you guys you want guys, us to succeed. You guys decide. I mean, it's it's either Tolkien or world issues, whatever you guys think. Mm-hmm. So, um, And I think love trumps all. So, Yes. You guys love us, right? 
I hope so. I mean, we get we we give you kisses after every episode. So, uh, but yeah, for that thing, thanks for watching or listening. Well, you could be watching later <laughs> yeah, though. Yeah, give us money. Who dude. knows? Okay, goodbye, everyone. Yeah, bye.